Amen. How are y'all doing this morning? You guys excited to be here? Amen. Amen. Pastor Sheldon, unfortunately, is feeling under the weather this weekend, so he's not able to join us uh, to celebrate a milestone that's super awesome, okay? About three days ago, it hit the three-year mark that Pastor Sheldon and Pastor Michelle came to Thrive Church, and they've been serving here and leading faithfully for three years, and I just, man, I want to honor them. Can we honor them if you're at home? Tell them you love them, tag them. Um, They have shown up, and one of the first things they did was close the church, which as a lead pastor, I don't know if that's the best move, but, you know, COVID happened, that's a thing, and um, they led through that, and they've just been faithful in serving and in challenging us in our, in our walks with the Lord. Um, and so we've been in a series uh, called Ever After, but today I just, I felt um, so deeply um, as I was praying about this message uh, that I want to talk about the holy moments, the, the holy moments, the personal moments that we have with the Lord, right? The moments that, that maybe nobody else is around for, it's just you and God and and there is something that happens in those moments where our heart just begins to change, right? God does something unique and incredible in those moments. And I think it's awesome being here and we have some of those moments. I think if you're a follower of the Lord, you've had those moments. And I think being in this room is awesome, but those moments happen outside of a, an auditorium uh, and they happen sometimes on the daily. So I wanna talk to you with a different vibe. That's not, hey, youth director to congregation and church members, but somebody who was called by God to somebody who was also called by God for something. And so as we talk about those holy moments, I want you guys to have postured yourselves in a way that says, God, what are you trying to say to me right now? If you have your notes, um, some of you might have received notes. We're, we're going off script. We're calling an audible. Um, so I'm encourage you, hey, if you got a notebook or a journal, open that up, your notes section in your phone. We're going that way. We don't have uh, sermon notes this morning. Um, but I just wanna, I wanna encourage you guys. Uh, I think the statistic is you remember 90% of what you write down and apply to your life. 90%, that's a lot. Um, and I heard it said that note changers or, or note takers are world changers, come on. That'll preach somebody, that'll preach. Y'all, y'all still stuck on that time chain stuff, I got you. Holy moments, being a youth director, greatest job in the world, here's why. I get to go to things like camp, winter retreat, right, convention, these awesome moments where students are chasing after the Lord in a new and unique Way. And so over the course of February and March, we've been in uh, quite a few events. I had the opportunity to take our students to Spencer Lake for winter retreat. Shout out to our students. I got to tell y'all, we got some awesome students. We had about 70, not from just our group, but we had all from Wisconsin, Northern Michigan, uh, about 70 kids at winter retreat. But our students specifically, when it came to worship and being intentional and chasing after God, man, they led the way. Like they, they were so intentional about connecting with God over that weekend and God did some amazing things in our students' lives. And so I have to shout them out. I have to give them that credit because man, I think this next generation is leading the way in what it looks like to chase after the Lord with intensity and with intentionality. So I'm not, I'm not done. Uh, in youth, we work... Uh, with an organization called Speed the Light. It's a missions uh, organization. I won't go too in depth to it, but there are churches just the last two days. So Friday, I was in Sun Prairie with a church and a couple other youth groups, 
And then yesterday I was in De Pere with a bunch of other churches and youth groups. And what Speed the Light is, it's, it's partnered with just students, okay? And students raise money using what they have given them, right? What God has given them, their talents, their passions. Uh, I know a girl who like literally walked on her hands for missions. Like they do things like that, okay? Like, it's not like, hey, I have a job, so I'm giving. It's like, I'm gonna use the quirky talent that I have for the glory of God. And so these past few days, students have been gathering and just seeking out after God. And they've been hearing that, hey, there is no plan B for your school. They are plan A, right? They're, they're responsible for bringing the gospel to places that, that haven't heard the, the good news yet. And these are teenagers, y'all. These are like 13-year-old kids who are, who are doing amazing things. Those are the kind of holy moments I'm talking about, the moments that change the course of a life. And so over the last two days, students are committing to giving above and beyond. Wisconsin, Northern Michigan, the district, uh, youth students have committed to giving over a million dollars to missions in 2023. And that's teenagers, y'all. That's teenagers using what they have. So not only that people across the world can hear the gospel, but that people in their own backyard can hear the gospel. That's a holy moment. As followers of Jesus, I think we're chosen, right? God has specifically chosen you for something. I think he's gifted you with talents and passions and abilities to make a difference in your, your sphere of influence, whether it's at work, whether it's around your friends, whether it's uh, even in your church, Right? I think God has gifted us with passions to make a difference. And honestly, I think he's called us. I think he's called each and every single one of us to cover the earth with the love of Jesus. Ephesians 4, 1 says this, says, therefore I'm a prisoner, I, I, excuse me, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Live a life worthy of calling. Church isn't an add-on. Church isn't just something that we do on top of a job. It's not something that we do on top of our family. It's not something that's on top of our hobbies. It's not travel. Church isn't this thing that we just do, right? Our relationship with the Lord isn't something we just do. You see, but we've been called by God to be the church, right? The church is a gathering of people Right? We don't go to church, we are the church. And where we gather, church is happening. And so I wanna talk a little bit today about calling and how we can live some of that out and how we can create holy moments in our lives where we get the opportunity to just be intentional in our relationship with the Lord. So let's pray before we get into it. Lord, thank you. Lord, that we are called by you. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your love for us is sufficient. Lord, give us an open heart that's ready to receive what you have for us. Lord, give us ears that are ready to hear your word. Lord, and would today not be uh, a great crafted message, Lord, but it would be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and so that we can walk out better than when we walked in, Lord, that we can be world changers. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Here's what I've learned. Over the course of the 23 years of my life, I have learned that things are competing for our attention on a regular basis. There are a lot of things on a daily basis that compete to get, grab our attention and keep us kind of hooked in, right? 
Did you know, check this out, there are 3.2 billion images shown on the internet a day. 3.2 billion images are uploaded to the internet every single day. Teenagers, on average, just the average teenager, will experience 6,000 to 10,000 ads a day. That means just from scrolling 6,000 to 10,000 times, a teenager is trying to be sold on something, right? Like, man, y'all love Super Bowl commercials. 6,000 Super Bowl commercials a day? That's a lot. That is, that is a lot of, of ads and a lot of attention grabbing, right? And then, I don't know, how many of you guys know what TikTok is? Just a show of hands. How many of you guys are on TikTok? Y'all who aren't on TikTok, y'all blessed. You're more spiritual than I am. Amen, come on. <laughs> TikTok is this thing that you scroll on and it has short form videos and they're like, you know, it can be like 10 seconds long. The average TikTok user will spend an hour a day scrolling on social media, watching these videos. And I'm guilty, because I know I'm over an hour a day. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I'm, a, I'm above that. Like, I have a short attention span. I think that's why TikTok's dangerous. Like, my, my attention jumps from thing to thing. Uh, sometimes I forget things a lot, like what I'm doing, or, or I go into a different tangent. And my family's realized this. And they know this, or I know they know this because of what they got me for Christmas. How many of you guys know what a tile is? It's this little, I have it on my car keys right here. It's this little square, okay? If I ping this right now, it'll, it'll tell me where my phone is. Like it'll make a, a noise and it's really annoying. I have one in my wallet. Sometimes I sit down and accidentally press it at the most inconvenient times. And so it sounds like somebody's ringtone is going off but this tile is used to find, find things. And so I can be like walking around uh, this building in particular because it's so large. And if I'm up in the youth wing, sometimes I forget my keys in the office or I'll forget my keys in here. And I have to do like a marathon to figure out where I've left my stuff. And so thankfully tile has an app where it just, it allows me and directs my focus right to what I'm looking for. I'm telling you, if you put one on your kid, you'll never lose them. That, I mean, it is accurate down to like, the, the, like a ruler. Um, you can find that thing. <laughs> Your child run off, don't worry, I got a tile. Just GPS it the entire way. They're in, they're in the kid's wing, it's okay. We got it figured out. But I don't know about some of y'all, but in this climate, in today's day and age, man, I, it's really hard to focus. Like I feel overwhelmed sometimes. Like there's a lot of, of conflict and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, pain. And I think a lot of us feel worn down. We've been at it for so long. We were physically drained. We're emotionally exhausted. Honestly, some of us are probably discouraged, both like just here and spiritually. But I wanna encourage you, and this is where we're going with this, is that the devil can't destroy you. So he's gonna try to discourage you and distract you. And I think a lot of the times this happens and we're not aware of it. I'm not a guy to get up here and talk about the devil and preach like spiritual warfare, that's not, but I just, I feel this strongly today. Sometimes those moments, they just kind of sneak up on you, right? And they come in the, in the form of those questions. Can I keep going? Is this even worth it? Why am I doing this? What does it really matter? And I wanna direct our attention to a fascinating story in scripture uh, Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, if you're turning your Bible there, uh, otherwise your phone counts too. 
it's a story about Jesus. And this is before Jesus was ever in ministry. This was before he ever called the disciples to be alongside him. This was before he did any miracles and healing. Matthew chapter four, verse one through 11, it says that then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It says, then, he took the, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you, that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and angels came and attended him. How do you overcome discouragement? How do you overcome fatigue? How do you overcome exhaustion? How do you overcome self-doubts? How do you overcome spiritual opposition? How do you keep passions for months and years and decades? And I would argue that we have to be prepared. I would, we have to be prepared. You see, God had a plan for Jesus, right? And before the plan ever unravels, the devil is already trying to distract Jesus. He's already trying to tempt Jesus into doing something that would push him off course of his plan, right? So the first thing we see the devil do is confront his identity. Like if you're really the son of God, then you'll do all of these things. Like, I don't know about you. I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes I got pride issues. If somebody called me out like that, I'll show you. Like, that's just, am I the only one who like gets called out like that? And then suddenly like, hey, I gotta prove myself. Hey, I, listen, they said I couldn't do it. I got, I'll show them. Like, I'm just gonna put my nose to the grindstone. I'm just gonna work. I'm gonna prove them wrong. And then suddenly we've kind of veered off from what God was asking us to do, but we gotta prove ourselves, right? The second thing we see, we see him do is Jesus is tempted with food. Man, we did a 30-day fast or a 21-day fast back in, back in the beginning of the new year in January. I have never felt worse in my life. I love food, y'all. And to not eat certain things for 21 days was the hardest thing for me. And so we see Satan tempt Jesus and Jesus comes back with, hey, God's word is more important, right? We see Jesus stay focused here. God's word is more important. Next thing, Satan's like, hey, if you're the son of God, just prove that God, God really does love you. Jump off this, right? Jump off this right now. And, and you, won't be, you won't be hurt, I promise, right? Jesus is tempted to test God. And Jesus comes back right on like, hey, you're not supposed to tempt God. Like, that's not what we do. And then Satan really brings it home. He goes, hey, dude, I'll give you everything you've ever wanted in your life. I don't know about you, but I want everything ever in my life sometimes. Like, that's, that's one thing I hate about myself is, uh, how much I want certain things. If you would just worship him, and it says only God is meant to be worshiped. Now we live in a good day and age where we have Google. And being 23, I don't ask people questions anymore. I just go to Google for things. And I look it up, right? 
we have the advantage in life of like, hey, we're going through something. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about having joy, having peace? We just get to Google it. Jesus didn't have the opportunity to Google God's word, right? Jesus had to know God's word. Jesus had to know scripture. And we see Jesus respond to lies and temptation and to out-of-pocket things, quoting scripture. So my question is, if Jesus had to know scripture, why do we feel like we don't? Why do we feel like we don't have to be responsible and have those things ready in the back? And my question is, is are you prepared? In a day that's so full of mental health and so full of anxiety and depression and lies and, and temptation, are you prepared when those things come your way? Do you have scripture in your back pocket when the devil comes to distract you, try to get you away from your calling, when somebody tries to call you out and say, terrible things about you, when in your head you start doubting yourself, that you're loved, that you're not worthy, that you don't belong in this group, that you don't belong around a certain group of people, do you have scripture? Here, I'm gonna rapid fire these off because I love this, okay? I love these verses. First John chapter two, verse 12 says that you were forgiven. Romans 15 chapter seven, or verse seven says you are accepted. Second Timothy 1, 9, you are saved and called with a holy calling. Colossians 2.10, you are complete in him. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says you are a temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are created for good works. 1 Peter 2.9 says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Here's the thing, he has a plan for you. We're talking calling. He has called you to something and for something. But I think a lot of us have gotten distracted because we want to prove ourselves or we don't think we belong or we're not worthy of love and we have nothing to fight that because we don't know what God has already said about us. And I, I think sometimes we take some time and we're like, God, I just need you to give me a sign. Like, would you just speak to me right now? God, would you just give me a word? Oh, he's given you a word already. And I think we'd find if we just opened it up and we focused on what God has already said, we'd come to realize that we have some things in our back pocket that are ready to go, ready to fight lies and temptation in our lives. See, you're probably not fasting for 40 days. Some of y'all, y'all way more spiritual than me, uh, probably you are. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy for you. But I think a lot of us are under a lot of stress and there's change happening in our lives and the world's always changing, right? There's, some of us feel like there's no hope. Some of us are dealing with mental health and it's really tough. So how do you find focus in the chaos? Focus on what he's already said. Focus on what he's already told you. Be obedient to what he's already called you to, right? Some of us kind of went this direction and we're coming back because we get to know his word and his promises, right? I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than when you start to hear lies in your head that you don't belong. Nope, that's not what God says about me. God says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. When you start talking like that and you have something to back up and fight against the lies, y'all, I'm telling you, something changes in your life. So I wanna talk about holy moments. I wanna talk about those moments where we create space with the Lord where we, we find time to spend with him intentionally, right? 
all, of, all the best part about being in youth ministry is watching students create space with the Lord. And we've all had those moments. That's why we're in this auditorium. That's why we're here, because there was a moment that we felt the love of God for the first time, right? And we had a moment where we felt the love of God and it changed everything for us. And for a lot of us, come on camp, convention, it may have happened in this auditorium at some point in your lifetime. It's so good. Right now, a big topic in church world is revival. And I'm not gonna dive into the whole revival conversation um, because I think it's delicate and I think it's open for interpretation. I think the second you hear a word from God or you hear something and you open it up to people, it gets opened up to misinterpretation and twisting and I just don't wanna open up that, that can of worms. Um, and I had a, a pastor friend tell me this. He goes, I've learned to stop telling bad spirits good words. There are some words that are just kept between him and the Lord. And like, I don't know, sometimes I think that God's given us a word and not everybody needs to know that word. Um, and so when it comes to revival and move of God, I don't wanna throw that out there. But I am noticing a common theme between the winter retreats I've attended and our students and what we've seen and what's being talked about. The common theme I'm seeing is the way people are posturing themselves. They are making room in their busy schedules in their lives between the calendar days to spend time with the Lord. Right, they're creating holy moments where they posture themselves and go, God, I just want you. I don't care what's happening after this. I don't care what happens even right now. I just want more of you. And I think the key to this is we talk about revival. Revival's not something that you can go get and bring back. It's not something that you can go to a different church, drive eight hours, experience it, and come back and then go, why isn't it happening here? I think revival is a posture a posture of the heart which says, God, I want everything that's from you. If it's not from you, I don't want it, right? And I think we have a key to this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, come on. Y'all, we gotta be humble. We gotta be humble. And pray and seek my face. God, I want, I just want you. Nothing else, I just want you. And turn from their wicked ways and I will, hear from, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. My question for you is, and this is, we're, we're gonna go there, we're gonna, get, we're gonna be super transparent, okay? When is the last time that you were honest with God? Where was the last time you got super honest with God? God, I need you, I'm broken on the inside. God, I'm really struggling with this thing in my life. I'm really hurting. That person, they really hurt me. That life situation, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. When is the last time we got real honest? I would say even desperate with God. God, I need you to move. God, I need you to do something different in my life because what I'm doing right now, it ain't working. When is the last time we postured ourselves? God, I want more of you. I don't care that I have to go to work in 30 minutes. Lord, I want what you have for me right now, here's the thing. God can't bless who you pretend to be. God can't bless who you pretend to be. He doesn't want you. He's not in love with the like suit and tie, come to church every Sunday, serve on the serve team, pray in King James language. That's not who he's in love with. He's in love with the authentic you. And so when we come in here, we talk about you're welcome, accepted, and loved. We're not talking, hey, you gotta come here and be perfect, but you do gotta be authentic with the Lord. And I just wonder, 
what would change in our lives if we were just authentic before the Lord? I was at winter retreat, uh, and I won't, I won't shout them out just because I've talked to this pastor and he really wants to shepherd those moments. But what was super cool is there was this moment where I, I was taking photos for them and just showing up and I just wanted to serve their, their youth pastor. And I kid you not, they're playing and, and worship is happening. And I feel God go, hey, I need you to pray. And like, I've never experienced just that kind of a holy moment. And so uh, the worship team is playing and I kind of stand off to the side and I put my camera down and I just begin to pray, God, would you do your, would, would, would your will happen here? Right, would the kingdom of heaven happen in this room right now? Lord, do what you need to do here. That's what we want. And I kid you not, I'm, my back is to the stage. I turn, 60 students are at the altar and they're, they're right at the front of the worship stage praying for each other and worshiping the Lord. And the presence of God moves so strongly. That I've never experienced anything like that. But I firmly believe it's because they were postured in a way that said, hey, God, we want everything that you have for us. We want everything that you have for us. And this brings me to my final point. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up at this moment. Um, we've all had these moments where we got united with the Lord and felt his love for the first time. How many of you guys have forgotten those moments where we forgot what God was doing in our lives? I think the third thing we have to do in a holy moment is that we have to remember the moments. We have to remember the moments. There's a, uh, a story in Joshua chapter three. I'll, I'll try to kind of summarize it as best as I can, right? And so uh, they're, they're walking, the Israelites are walking and they have the Ark of the Covenant with them. And the Ark of the Covenant was like where God's presence resided. Like the physical placement of the presence of God. And they're getting ready to cross the Jordan. And we already know what happened to the Red Sea. Moses, part of the Red Sea, right? Sunday School 101. In this story, the, the priests are told to carry the ark and the ark that would lead the way. And it said that the second their feet hit the water, the river upstream stopped flowing and, and the sea parted. My first thing is that the presence of God went first. I'm telling you, that's the first thing. That situation you're in right now, the presence of God is already gone. It's gone before you. And it's part and seas and it's doing things even when you don't feel it. That there isn't a room that you could walk into that the presence of God has not already been in. And I hope that's encouraging for someone. But it says this in Joshua chapter four, verses one through seven. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. 
these stones served as a reminder of the movement of God in their lives. What's the stone in your life? What are you doing to remember the moments, the holy moments where God has moved in your life? Some of y'all need to start writing down what God's doing so that a year from now, three years from now, you can look back at what God has done and remember how faithful he is. Because I think sometimes we're in situations and we don't realize how God is working until we're on the other side of it. And I would challenge you, what are your stones? And why, why are stones important? Why are you talking about this? Judges chapter two, verse seven says, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. So the people that saw the Lord move, recognized it for themselves, that's who we're talking about right now. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Judges 2.10 says this, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither the Lord, who neither who knew neither the Lord or nor what he had done for Israel. In just three verses, we see a generation who does not know the Lord because we failed to tell the stories of how God moved in our lives. Because we failed to remember what God had done and we failed to pass it on to the next generation. I wanna challenge you that this generation is already experiencing the Lord and God's already moving in this generation. I think this is gonna be the most impactful generation the world has ever seen. It's gonna be some of the full of the greatest doctors, lawyers, pastors, worship leaders. Man, they're, they're next level. But for those of you who have kids or who are um, serving in some capacity within the next generation, whether it's in kids, men, or youth ministry, man, your story matters. The way God has moved in your life already, it matters. Somebody needs to hear your story. You need a stone in your life that when somebody comes up and go, what is God doing? You're like, maybe I don't know what God's doing right now, but I can tell you what he's already done. Come on. What would we look like if when somebody was looking for a movement of God in their life, Maybe you can point them in the right direction towards him, but I can tell you what he's already done. And I can tell you that if he's already done it, he's gonna do it again. And I just think that for these holy moments to take place, it starts understanding the lies in our lives and finding ways to combat them and to understand who we really are and who he's called us to be, what he's created for. Pastor Sheldon said it a couple months ago, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And then I think we need to make space in our lives for a movement of God. I think we need to not be attached on the schedule or even the, the bravado and how good we look on the outside. I think we have to get honest with the Lord and make space for him to break walls, take things down in our lives, destroy altars, or maybe even reimagine what it means to follow him and serve him. And then as those moments are created, we have to be willing to point somebody to those moments and go, this is what God did for me. And I think that posture, when we're ready for a movement of God on a regular basis, not even just a Sunday or a Wednesday night in youth ministry or in kids ministry, but I'm talking daily in your prayer closet. When you wake up in the morning, you are ready for a movement of God 
that you're walking into places going, I know that the Lord has gone before me. I know that even in my chaos, I know that God is making me lie, but in green pastures and besides still waters. There's unbelievable peace that comes with knowing the Lord. And I wanna speak to the person who feels like maybe God's not moving right now. It's not about the emotion. It's not about the feeling. It's not about coming in here and, and I'm not feeling it. Man, God is moving in ways that you can never imagine. And even if you don't see it, he is working. But I would challenge you to understand his promises. What has he promised you? Right, get to know him. Focus on what he's already said. You may not be knowing what he's doing, but focus on what he's already said to you. And don't, don't listen to this because it's, it's like your job to show up on a Sunday and listen to, to somebody preach. And you can find all these verses, look them up yourselves and come to the same conclusion. It's, it's, not, it's not holier because somebody's up here on a platform and the worship team's behind me playing beautifully. It don't work like that. You can come to that same conclusion on your own, on your own time, walking out of this building. We come together as a church because we're a community that glorifies the Lord and we need each other. But take the time. I wanna, I wanna give you this opportunity. Man, if you don't know the Lord like that and you need a movement of God, if you don't know the promises that he has for you, man, will we all just bow our heads real quick? Man, if you're somebody who's like, I, I wanna know his promises. I wanna know what he has for me. I wanna know that even in chaos, there's still a focus on hope and peace. Man, that there's more to what I'm doing than just this. The schedule, the repetition. Lord, I wanna create space in my life for a movement from you. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? Don't be worried about what everybody else is thinking. Don't be worried about what other people might think about you or if this is even your moment. I think there's some of you right now in this room who are just feeling it and you think like, I don't know if this is for me or not, it's for you. If you wanna make space in your life for the Lord to move, would you just throw your hand up? Amen. Hey, Lord. Lord, we love you. You're so good. Lord, we surrender everything in this moment, Lord. All the decisions we used to make, all the bad habits that we were stuck in, Lord. Lord, we acknowledge that we're sinners, Lord, in need of a savior. That we need grace more than anybody else. Lord, we want more of you. Lord, we want your spirit to be on display in our lives. Lord, we wanna allow ourselves to be postured in a way that would set up a movement of God in our lives. Lord, we want more of you and nothing else. Lord, so humble us. Lord, you don't need us. This isn't about us. Lord, would our lives be an example of your love on this earth? Lord, will we enter holy moments with you? Not just on a Sunday morning and a Sunday service, Lord, but on a daily basis. Lord, when our feet hit the floor, Lord, that we would be standing on holy ground. Lord, that your presence would be going before us, making a way where there is no way. Lord, and will we be able to build up stones 
to remember the movement of God in our lives. Lord, that we could tell our children about it. Lord, that we could tell the next generation about what you're doing already. Lord, that when somebody comes, we have something to point them towards. We could point people towards the movement that you are doing in our lives. Lord, so that they would know your promises. They would know your peace and comfort, Lord. Lord, that they would find peace in the chaos. So we acknowledge that we're in need of a savior. Lord, would you have your way in our lives? Lord, would you begin to break down walls and false idols and Lord, addiction? Lord, we turn from our ways. Lord, we set our sights on you, the good shepherd. Lord, that we would be following you through the valley, Lord, into the mountaintops. So we give our lives to you, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth thousandth time. We just set our focus on you, what you've already said, what you've already done, and Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do. Everybody said, amen.